where do you want to go? Why are you doing what you do? And are you willing to make a stand and take a stand about something important in your life? Hey folks, I want to bring your attention to a product developed by a Navy SEAL friend of mine who is a doctor. Uh, first he was a SEAL, then he became a doctor, and then he went back and worked with the SEALs. His name is Doc Parsley. Some of you might have heard of him by now. We call him the Sleep Doc. All these SEALs were starting to come to him and, and you know, with these symptoms that looked like adrenal fatigue. And so he started treating adrenal fatigue and realized that the common denominator with all these guys that they weren't sleeping. It's a pretty big problem in military spec ops with the pace of operations and combat. And these guys were just all out of whack. Cortisol was racing their body. Their hormones were depleted. And, dep you know, they had the essentially the, the testosterone level of 13-year-old girls is the way he jokes about it. They had a big problem. And what he found is that they were working out like madmen, but they're putting on weight. Their, you know, cognitive level was like they were drunk. Anyways, they were, they had this perception that they could perform, but they just couldn't perform anymore. And it was a real problem. So he identified that the common denominator was lack of sleep. So even an hour of not enough sleep a night over the course of a year is going to lead to 14 pounds of weight gain and could degrade your performance by up to 30%. Throws your testosterone, your growth hormones, in, in insulin sensitivity all out of whack. And it's going to create emotional uh, instability, decision-making um, challenges, impulse uh, control challenges, and decrease your willpower. Basically, your prefrontal cortex is compromised. So what he did is he, he went around and he, and, he, and he said, go buy this, buy this, buy this, and then, you know, start taking it and it worked. And so they said, well, this is a pain in the neck to buy all this. Can you, can you put it all together into one thing? And so that became Doc Parsley's sleep remedy. I tried this recently at our Unveil Mind Summit and it worked really, really well. I, I kid you not. Like I took it and I fell asleep within 20 minutes and uh, I didn't have any grogginess when I woke up. I thought it was great stuff. So, um, I told him I wanted to uh, let my folks know about it, let you know people who are listening to this podcast know about it. And he offered everyone a 10% off. So if you want to try Doc Parsley's Sleep Re Remedy, uh, which is essentially a, it's just a supplement. It's a nutritional supplement. It's all natural stuff, which creates a normal cascade of the physiological things that are supposed to happen when um, you're going to go to sleep. But a lot of us don't have that cascade or don't have that stuff happening anymore because of our lifestyle. So this will kind of stimulate um, proper, you know, preparation for sleep and, and, the, and the sleep cycles. Um, he has an unlimited, no questions asked, money back guarantee. Um, you can't beat that. So go to docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, all, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND when you check out to get 10% off. And uh, highly recommend it. Hoo ya. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind podcast. This is Mark Devine, your host. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I do not take it lightly. I know your time is valuable. And there's a ton of things vying for your attention. Well, today, hopefully your attention will be well served by focusing on this podcast where I'm going to do a solo cast and begin to go through my book, The Way of the Seal. I, had a few people ask me to just riff on the principles of the way of the seal. And um, in light of the fact, I'll be launching a fifth anniversary edition of the book in May of next year, around Memorial Day. I thought I'd do a podcast um, where each 
principle gets a little bit of time. So I think we'll go over two principles per podcast. There's eight principles total, so that'll be four podcasts. We'll roll them out in the next couple months. The book, The Way of the Seal, is about leading in accelerating times. So the first chapter, the first new chapter that I wrote for the book is actually called Leading in Accelerated World. And it it discusses, um, in general terms, how to orient your thinking and your mind and your leadership to deal with the VUCA environment. VUCA is an acronym that stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. So essentially, every principle in the book, in some way, affects our ability to deal in a VUCA environment. So as a preparatory chapter, you know, we're kind of laying the groundwork for what the world looks like now and what is becoming increasingly more and more like. Things are speeding up. Technology is, you know, racing toward a future that, you know, we used to just watch in sci-fi movies like Star Trek. Um, it's, it's actually an incredible time to be alive and the opportunities and risks are becoming more and more extraordinary. So leaders tend, definitely have to upgrade their mental software to be able to deal with the pace of change as well as the complexity and the volatility and the uncertainty and the ambiguity. And uh, the tools in the way of the seal have been proven effective in doing that. I mean, they were built off of um, many, many years of observing my own and other teammates' leadership in the Navy SEAL world, special ops world as well, not to mention, you know, centuries of learning in warrior disciplines such as martial arts and yoga and how those disciplines change the brain to be able to deal with complexity and volatility and chaos so that the warrior slash leader can maintain a calm, focused, radically concentrated mind and make better decisions along the way. Truly, the business world looks a lot like the VUCA environment of the Navy SEAL or Special Ops Battlefield. And it's my premise that business and other organizational leaders and essentially everybody who's trying to perform at an elite level needs to develop the mindset that we're talking about here in the way of the seal and that I teach in my unbeatable mind program to get comfortable being this, you know, to get comfortable with discomfort, prepare for the unexpected and to surf volatility with a strong vision and radical focus on your mission. So volatility is served by just getting razor sharp focused on the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And then as you execute toward that target, toward that target with that radical focus to find what I call dynamic stability. And this is, you know, it's like a surfer riding a wave. You know, the first time you surf or snowboard, I mean, you have zero stability on that platform, especially surfing because the world is moving underneath your feet. And then of course you're moving on top of the board to try to find stability and leading in an accelerator where it's similar to to surfing. You got to find that dynamic stability where you're comfortable being unbalanced and you're constantly compensating for the unbalancing acts, you know, that are occurring to you. So it's an interesting concept. And uh, in the book, I'm going to get into a little, some thoughts on how to do that. Now, Uncertainty, which is the second, um, you know, the second aspect of VUCA, we just talked about volatility. Uncertainty is neutralized by beginning to understand the massive cognitive bias that your traditional brain, the way you were taught to think, the way that brain works, and the biases that come with it. The biases that I call "boo" in unbeatable mind, background of obviousness, includes 
your language, um, how that language has conditioned your mind, the race, the color of your skin, your sex, gender, obviously, um, gender identity, your family of origins, values, and a lot of the belief systems that you tend to, you know, take for granted that make up the story that you live in your life. And so we can neutralize uncertainty by realizing the biases that we bring to the table and that practically every single decision we make is compromised. So once you begin to identify that and realize that, you can start to learn about the biases and then you can mitigate those biases by, you know, by being cautious um, to take your uh, snap judgments and your reactions to things uh, for granted and to test and challenge every decision that you make and also to begin to use mental models to test, to fact check your work. In the SEALs, we always use these mental models to do quick and rapid planning and to fact check our thinking because uh, we were aware that our biases were, um, you know, likely to get us in trouble. And then the other way that we can um, neutralize uncertainty is by taking action, like massive small actions every day to eliminate doubt. It's kind of like recon by fire. If you don't know exactly where the enemy is, then, you know, you kind of lob some rounds out there and see if you get some uh, people shooting back at you. So we take some action and we get feedback. And this is the way we employ what we call the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act to be constantly moving forward and then kind of groping our way towards success when we're uncertain about which direction to go. And then the C in VUCA, the complexity, well, you know, we've just got to simplify things. And this, you know, a lot of my friends, um, and I've done some podcasts with folks who are really starting to appreciate this. You know, our world has just gotten way too complex. At least the appearance of complexity is there. And we have tons and tons of distractions, you know, social media and our iPhone and texting and Snapchat and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and, and email and, you know, on and on and on. And um, everyone's trying to do it all. I mean, everyone's trying to get into podcasting and blogging and to into writing their own books, you know, yeah, everyone's just scrambling to make money as traditional jobs are being outsourced or replaced by robots. And it's all important to do that. But the problem is you can't do it all and you risk doing nothing well by trying to do everything poorly. And so you learn, to, you need to learn to say no in service to the bigger yes. And the rest of this, you know, a lot of the book and the way of the seal is to help you determine what is that big yes. We'll get into that in the next, uh, in, the, in the principle number one. But we've got to simplify. We've got to employ the keep it simple sale principle that'll come up more than once in the book. One of the ways that I address that in, um, in this first chapter about dealing with accelerated world and VUCA is to have que good questions that you can ask yourself before you embark on every mission. And every mission could be a project or, you know, a, a business mission you know, a new initiative like launching a podcast or starting a new business or, you know, leaving your job and going into something. It's ask the right questions. And I often said that the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of the questions you ask. So if we're, you know, going to go on, you know, undertake a new mission, it's important that we know why we're doing it. My friend Bob Schultz, Captain Bob Schultz, Navy SEAL, retired after 30 years, uh, he teaches leadership to the SEALs. And this is one of the things that he uh, he says, you know, you've got to always be asking questions. Here's some questions that I think are reasonable to, to write down if you're in a place to write it down. If not, just think about these as uh, questions that you can, you can kind of ask to clarify um, whether you're, you know, heading down the right road. 
So the first question is, is pretty obvious, but why am I undertaking this mission? What's my vision for the win? And why is this important to me? I mean, there's a lot there. You could spend, you know, many, many minutes just pondering why you're taking on a particular project or mission. What's your vision for success? And why is it important to you? Just there, by asking that question, you might maybe eliminate a ton of thing that, things that you think are important but really aren't important. Of course, every mission you can't do alone. You need teams and your teammates to be um, on board with you. So ask yourself, is the team or is each teammate or are my teammates in sync with this vision? Because if you got a vision, you're going to head off and just try to enlist them on it. Well, that's great. I mean, you can be autocratic and demand that they do it. Well, that won't get you very far. And the SEAL teams, everyone needed to be in sync with the vision, meaning they had to appreciate the end state. They had to align with it. They had to agree with it. And they had to want to throw their energy at it. So is your team in sync with the vision? If not, you better get them in sync first and make sure that their why can line up behind your why. If they're not in sync, why? What is it that they see that you don't? What perspectives that do they bring to the table that are causing a disconnect? Perhaps they see things a little bit different and perhaps their perspectives can help you come up with a, a better formulation of the mission. And if that's true, can you reframe the vision to be inclusive of the diverse perspectives of your team? Wow. Can you imagine a better vision, a bigger, broader, more focused vision after bringing it to the team and getting their perspective and then syncing everyone up and then coming up with an even more powerful mission statement to, you know, to, to accomplish that vision. So that brings me to the next question. What's the most viable plan for the mission? Just because you had an idea how to get it done may not mean that's the right one. That's not the right one. We'll get in later to some of the decision models like fits and prop. But um, right now, just what's the most viable plan for the mission and why? And then within each mission, you might have multiple targets to focus on. Chunk them down into the slowest or the smallest common denominator. And then what's the first one, the main one to focus on now and first? And why? And then what's the one after that and why? And then when you get that far, ask, would a complete stranger find this plan simple enough to execute? I love that one. If you were to hand your plan to a complete stranger, would they get it? If not, maybe it's too complicated still. As my friend Bob says, you got to find the simplicity on the other side of complexity. And then what if you're, you know, deciding your target and you're starting to move, what do you do when the inevitable failure happens? No plan survives contact with the enemy. So what do you do if and when A happens or B happens or C happens? This is called mentalizing. Figure out what could go wrong, see it going wrong, and then ask yourself, what do you do next? So that as you're executing, you already have a contingency plan. That's pretty cool. All right. And then the A, the ambiguity involved, the VUCA, the A and VUCA, I'm sorry, is ambiguity. How do you deal with ambiguity? This is just when there's, it's, it's different than uncertainty. It's similar to uncertainty, but it's different. Ambiguity is just, you know, there really is no good option that presents itself. It's not so much that you're uncertain. You might be certain that there's no good option. <laughs> and so in this situation, I talk about fast twitch iteration. A friend of mine, Admiral Brian Losey, used this term at an event that we taught, uh, led for a YPO group, a Young Presidents Organization. I love that term. And I'd heard it before, but I, 
I never applied it to business, so I co-opted it and told them I'd give them credit. So fast twist iteration. Now what we're saying is everything I've been talking to you up until now is really what you as a leader, you as a leader trying to neutralize uncertainty and dynamically surf volatility and deal with complexity by you know, asking good questions and engaging your team. But when it comes to fast twitch iteration and, and ambiguity, what we're talking about is actually pushing the decision-making and the creative, spontaneous, you know, solving of problems down to the lowest combinator. Get it out into the field and trust your, trust those closest to the ground level truth to make decisions and to come up with a solutions that you couldn't possibly think of as a leader slash owner slash, you know, guy in, or girl in charge. So, this means you, you can't micromanage, you can't be controlling, you have to have the organization be, you know, flat and spontaneously, pro, spontaneous problem solvers. And I encourage you re to read the book, One Mission, which is uh, by McChrystal and his teammate, and his name isn't in, head, in my head right now, but um, we'll come back at that later. But Stanley McChrystal was a special operations leader. He wrote Team of Teams, so maybe you start there. That's a great book. And then the sequel to that book is called One Mission. And it is really about how the spec ops team and teams in Afghanistan organized in a way that I'm talking about to deal with that VUCA environment. And so they employed fast switch iteration. They didn't use that terminology. That's ours. And also they challenged everything. Every, every way they used to do business, they had to challenge it and then come up with a new way because, the, you know, the old way was built for the, you know, the industrial era and basically conventional warfare and just not working today. And warfare is a lot like business environment. It's just you got to deal with a lot of spontaneous threats and and mass mobilization of you know enemies or competitors who can you know overwhelm you in in an instant. You know we see that with organizations like Uber and Lyft, you know, popping up and all of a sudden you know going from zero to a billion dollars in two or three years just because of you know the the flow of information and the ubiquitousness of you know Wi-Fi and everybody on a mobile app now. It's just an incredible opportunity and incredible threats. And so you got to keep your eyes on the target, folks, and really develop your skills to, to move forward in a VUCA world. The Halo Neurostimulation System will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a Neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com, and at checkout, use the code UNBEATABLEMIND125, which will give you $125 off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use UNBEATABLEMIND125 at haloneuro.com, H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com, to get $125 off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Hooyah. And so with that kind of backdrop, you know, let's get to our first principle. The first principle in the way of the seal, I call establishing your set point. And this is a reference to a GPS. Most of you have seen or used a GPS. And in a GPS, you know, it, it, you decide where you want to go, but you can't, you know, program the GPS without first saying, telling it where you are now. And so you just drop a pin or you, it's called establishing your set point. This is where you are now. 
And then along the way, you're going to have these intermediate targets we call waypoints. And then you have your destination. So instead of going straight to your destination, you're going to go, you know, to waypoint one and then to waypoint two and then waypoint three. And these are intermediate targets that you have along your journey toward, you know, the end. And it's never going to be a straight line. Well, let's apply this to your life. Here you are right now. You're listening to this podcast and you know, this Mark Divine guy is talking about these principles that he calls the way of the seal. By the way, I never said this before, but it's not the way of the seals, plural. This is the way of this seal, this Navy seal, me, and how I see the world and how I used the development of my own uh, brain and mind and using these skills in this book to succeed both as a seal and as, and as a business leader to build, you know, six multi-million dollar businesses and to be currently training thousands and thousands in these principles with Unbeatable Mind and through my other business, SealFit. So, you know, when I say the way of the seal, we're talking about me, although I do have other teammates who agree with me, but not all of them, right? They're different you know, strokes for different folks. At any rate, this idea of establishing a set point, you got to essentially know where you are and who you are right now and get a good, you know, self-assessment. Where do you want to go? Why are you doing what you do? And are you willing to take a stand, make a stand and take a stand about something important in your life? So if you don't have a set point, then you got nothing to push off of to head toward a target. You're essentially just wandering, you're drifting. And a lot of people who come to my training are in that place. It's not that they're bad people. Everyone's, you know, everyone generally is a good person in my view. They might have some bad decisions, they might have some bad thinking, but they've got awesome potential and they want to do good, unless you're a sociopath, in which case you certainly wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So the question is, you know, do you know where you are right now and where you want to go and what you want to do with your life? And the answer a lot of people say is, you know what, I don't, Mark. Can you help me out? Or I sort of do, or I did, but now I'm confused because, you know, what's what I used to, you know, what used to work for me isn't working anymore, or I'm kind of burnt out on that and or I'm tired of just doing something for the money. I want to do something for meaning. All of these are really good things. And I've got examples from people who have you know, shifted focus uh, when they started asking these questions again about themselves. Like, what, what is my set point? Where do I want to go in my life? So I start you know, with this idea of making a stand. And I never thought about this until I went into the SEALs. You know, I grew up pretty average. I mean, most people will say, well, hey, you were really successful. Well, you know, I, I felt kind of average. I went to a good college, but, you know, I wasn't a great student. I was a solid B student at Colgate University. Yeah, I had, you know, such um, low or, or inability to really study. I didn't have great study skills. I went to the public high school that was super easy in upstate New York. Didn't have any AP class. I didn't need to study for anything. So I got to Colgate University, which was ridiculously hard academically. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, drowning, but trying like heck. And I don't tell this story very often, but I went in as a pre-med student and I was taking, you know, chemistry and physics and English and Spanish my first year, math, no, I think calculus and English actually. And in my physics class, I loved the, the class. I loved the content. It had over a hundred people in the class taught by this Iranian guy who spoke broken English. We only had a midterm and a final. I got all the way to the midterm and I took the test and, you know, I walked out of that and go, whoa, what the hell hit me? And I, I ended up getting like a 40 on the test, the lowest grade I'd ever gotten. And so, you know, I freaked out and went and talked to the freshman dean. And he said, well, you probably should drop the class. Of course, he was brand new. He didn't know what he was talking about. Went and talked to the teacher. The teacher said, you should drop the class. So I dropped the class. 
switch to an econ, econ major. I mean, that's that's how ridiculously reactionary I was. Turns out, you know, I talked to a friend of mine who was in the class later in the year, and um, he had just finished the final, and you know, grades were coming out, and he's like, you know what? I said, how did that physics class go? <laughs> My friend Chris Whalen says, well, it, it went pretty well. I got a B plus on it which really, you know, stoked me because I really bombed that that midterm. I said, so did I. I got a 40 out. And he laughed. He goes, you dope. Because you had one of the highest grades in the class. Because I got a like a 29 and it got curved up to a B. And I had never heard of the curve. I mean, that's how, that's what I'm talking about. I went into Colgate, you know, pretty dumb and um, pretty average. And then when I went down to New York, uh, NYU, I had to struggle. I was on academic probation. I did really well when I was there because I was focused I ended up, you know, starting to learn how to study and think better. And I did extremely well in my MBA program. But none of what I was doing really made any sense for me. I was just going through the motions. And I wasn't, you know, doing it for any other reason than it seemed like the right thing to do. My parents were applauding my efforts. I was getting an MBA and CPA. Society thought that was great. My peers thought it was great. I was a rock star, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really care about any of that. Now, in the book, The Way of the Seal, I talk quite a bit about how when I started studying Zen meditation, basically upgrading the software of my brain with my first master, my first mentor, grandmaster, Tadashi Nakamura. Well, that's when I started to ask my own questions and to start to, you know, surface what I call my own set point. And that, that set point forced me to take a stand and make a stand. When I finally went to Officer Canada School, I got the interview that I had been promised. I was supposed to have an interview with a Navy SEAL uh, leader, an officer, in order to get in. Well, it, it didn't happen. I got the billet, but I still had to do the, the interview. So I went, I did it at Officer Canada School. Commander Woody Woodruff, one of the guys actually involved in starting the Ironman in Hawaii, what an incredible stud. He came and did an interview with me. And in this interview, uh, after a staring contest where he literally looked through me for 10 minutes straight and, and, you know, talk about, you know, just sweat building up on my brow and, you know, me breathing and just thinking, oh, shit, you know, this guy's thousand miles stairs burning a hole in me. This must be a lesson here. And so I just calmly stared back and thought, well, here's my first test as a SEAL, you know, budding SEAL officer. At any rate, when he opened his mouth, he said, you know, Mark, what do you believe in? What's your stand? What do you stand for? And, uh, you know, I started babbling some stuff and he was like, I don't want to hear that kind of drivel, basically, is what he said. And he goes, what, what are your rock bottom beliefs? What drives your behavior? And, you know, something like really, really deep down inside me just, you know, mumbled, hey, take your time and think deeply about what's important to you and what you would, you know, die for, essentially. That's what he was saying, because, you know, Navy SEALs need to know what they're going to die for. You know, die for the mission, their country, and their teammates, and nothing else, right? Anything else gets in their way, and they'll and they'll take it to them. At any rate, so I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know, um, hmm, what do I believe in? And then I started thinking back about all my training at the dojo and the lessons that Nakamura had imparted me, and then the training that I had learned, uh, you know, or the lessons I had learned from my countless hours hiking alone in the Adirondacks or with my father. And I began to just articulate things. And it wasn't as fancy as I worded in the book because, you know, I had to, you know, think about these things afterwards too. But I wrote them down and they ended up something like this. And when I talked to him, I talked about these things with Woody. 
And I wouldn't say, like I said, they were exactly in this order or in this form, but they were generally like this. I said, destiny, destiny will favor me if I'm prepared in body, mind, and spirit. I'd learned that from Nakamura. Train hard every day and make training as important as eating and sleeping. And in that way, I'll be prepared in body, mind, and spirit. And in that way, destiny will favor me. That's a really profound idea, thinking about that. Are you prepared in body, mind, and spirit? And what are you doing today so that destiny will favor you? Secondly, and this is related, there's no free lunch. I must work harder than expected, and I must be more patient than others. In this world of hacks and instantaneous, you know, um, feel-good opportunity and gizmos, and everyone's trying to find a shortcut. And my belief is there's no shortcut. There is no free lunch. You've got to work harder and you've got to be patient. But when you reach a law of diminishing turns or the compounding effect kicks in, wow, stand by. There's plenty of room at the top, as Zig Ziglar used to say. So come on up. And it doesn't take much. Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours. I don't think it, it needs to be 10,000 hours. That's like linear training or linear time. I think that when you do immersive training like the Navy SEALs or like I outlined in the way of the SEAL where you immerse your whole body, mind, spirit, your physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and Kokoro heart into something that is important to you and you say no to everything else to make room for that larger yes and you're clear about your set point, then it happens much quicker and you'll, you'll achieve that compounding effect where all of a sudden, boom, you accelerate past and your learning and your growth begins to accelerate and all of a sudden, you find yourself at the top, at the fifth plateau, looking down, going, whoa, Coach Jabari was right. Next one was, leadership is a privilege. It's not a right. It's not a position. You've got to earn it. You've got to earn it through trust in the arena of action, right? I was in a PhD program in leadership. I literally, it's the only thing I've quit in my life. Now, for good reason, I left because I got mobilized to war in 2004, and when I came back, I decided not to go back to the PhD program, even though I finished all my coursework. But because I realized you cannot learn leadership from a textbook or from, you know, from a bunch of teachers who'd never led. And so I left that program and said, I'm going to teach leadership through action. And so we have leadership development as part of our SEAL Fit and our NBL Mind program. And essentially what we're saying is leadership is about character and about developing the ability to be trustworthy and to trust others, and to be vulnerable, and to use that Kokoro heart-mind in your decision. And that's what leads to good leadership. It's not a bunch of tricks or, you know, traits or things like, um, you know, like you read about in leadership literature. Next, I said, okay, I'm going to be a warrior. And as a warrior, though, I'm going to be last to pick up the sword. But I will fight to the death to protect myself, my family, my country, and my way of life. And what I mean by that is I really felt strongly that warriors are there to protect and to pr promote peace, right? Not to be violent, right? So we're like sheepdogs. We have to be peaceful people, but skillful in the application of violence. And so you can't be a, a too aggressive uh, with the use of that violence. You can't be, you know, eager to use that violence. And I see that um, in some of my teammates who just want to go play whack-a-mole with ISIS or 
somewhere and you know they they are a little too eager right because they've been brought up on video games and they think it's going to be cool to go kill somebody ah you know i'm not a big fan of that and i think true warriors what i've been trying to teach through seal that true authentic warriors cultivate their body mind and spirit and so they that they really understand why and when to use force next i said i strive to live in the present resolve myself with the past, and I mean by past regrets, and to create my ideal future in my mind. So what I'm really saying, when I now use the term win in my mind to essentially represent this stand, when I win in my mind, what I essentially do is realize that everything that I do say and act upon happens right now. The conditions for that were set either by my vision for the future and planning in the future state or something that I that happened in the, the past and my relationship to that in the past, okay? But everything that actually happens, happens in the present. It's a fascinating concept. I love it. So we strive to live in the present by resolving our past regrets, which cuts the cord of those past that past energy to free you up to perform. And then your vision for the future especially if you're favored by destiny and you got a clear picture of where you're going to go and you're prepared and that vision acts like an attractive force drawing you forward toward it. Next, I said, I'm going to find peace and happiness by seeking truth, wisdom, and love, not by chasing wealth, titles, or fame. Or thrills, I might add, although I'm not adverse to a thrill here and there. So this is one of the, the stands that led me away from being a CPA, MBA, you know, heading down Wall Street, you know, toward the money and into the seals to serve my country is, you know, I, I thought happiness at that point, I finally figured out that really doesn't come by, you know, going after money. Money will come to you through serving and doing, you know, good works. You know, title and fame was meaningless. That's not going to bring happiness and peace to myself or anyone else for that matter. So those external things are all, you know, false sirens. So to find the intrinsic internal motivation, and that means, you know, you need a very clear set point, clear idea of who your brilliance is and how you're going to serve in the world. And then the last one is I'm going to seek to improve myself and my team and, and the world every day. I'm real here. I'm really hinting toward this concept of being a world centric leader. World centric leader has care and concern for all the world, including planet earth. And, uh, but is okay with the differences and acknowledge that we're not all the same. We're not going to agree on everything, but at least we have, we honor and respect everyone. And with a world-centric attitude or point of view, we can begin to make decisions that are a little bit better for humanity at large and don't have those second and third order consequences that typically are negative. So more and more of us need to, uh, are going to step up and be world-centric leaders in the next decade. And uh, one of my missions is to or my mission, I should say, now, five years after writing this book, is to essentially train and inspire over 100 million people to attain or to pursue the path toward world-centric leadership in what I call the fifth plateau, which I'm not going to get into in this book, but we're going to address that in my upcoming book, Unbeatable Leader, which will probably come out. um, I I doubt I'll get it out next year. I've been talking about it, but it's going to be tough. This podcast is supported by Ample. The Ample meals aren't just protein shakes. They're complete meals, including fiber, healthy fats, as well as protein. 
I love Ample and I try to have at least one a day in the morning. Now life's crazy and this makes eating healthy on the go so much easier. I consider it the new MRE, meal ready to eat. Just add water. You can get a 400 or a 600 calorie complete meal in a bottle made from superior real food ingredients designed for optimal nutrition. It's non-GMO, no artificial crap, no gluten, no soy. Now, my friends at Ample are offering a 15% discount off your first order if you're interested in checking it out. Go to amplemeal.com and use the code unbeatable15. Unbeatable15. Ample knows how much I love this product and I want you to try it too. So go to amplemeal.com, use the code unbeatable15 to get a discount on your order. Check it out. It's great stuff. All right. So those were some of the statements that I came up with with Woody that day that kind of established my stand. Like this is the stand. This is who I am. This is going to define my, you know, my, my, you know, the foundation of my set point. Now the seals have a, a stand too. Uh, I'd love to read some of their stand. We call the seal ethos. The short form, uh, there's seven of them. First is maintain loyalty to country team and teammate. Many of you have heard these before. These are awesome. Second is to serve with honor on and off the battlefield. Third, be ready to lead and ready to follow and never quit. Fourth, take responsibility for your actions and the actions of your teammates. Five, excel as warriors through discipline and innovation. Train for war, fight to win, defeat our nation's enemies. Number seven is earn your trident every day. Earn your trident of respect and trust every day. The trident is the Navy SEALs insignia. The long form, I think I'll read the long form for you too, because it's super inspiring. You know, if you could like cut this out and listen to it every day, it'd be awesome. United States Navy SEAL ethos. In times of war and uncertainty, there's a special breed of warrior ready to answer our nation's call. A common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Forged by adversity, he stands alongside America's finest special operations forces to serve his country, the American people, and protect their way of life. I am that man. My trident is a symbol of honor and heritage, bestowed upon me by the heroes that have gone before. It embodies the trust of those I have sworn to protect. By wearing the trident, I accept the responsibility of my chosen profession and way of life. It is a privilege that I must earn every day. My loyalty to country and team is beyond reproach. I humbly serve as a guardian to my fellow Americans, always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. I do not advertise the nature of my work nor seek recognition for my actions. I voluntarily accept the inherent hazards of my profession, placing the welfare and security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield. The ability to control my emotions and my actions, regardless of circumstances, sets me apart from other men. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and honor are steadfast. My word is my bond. I expect to lead and be led. In the absence of orders, I will take charge. Lead my teammates and accomplish the mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish my mission. I am never out of the fight. 
We demand discipline. We expect innovation. The lives of my teammates and the success of our mission depends on me, my technical skill, tactical proficiency, and attention to detail. My training is never complete. I train for war and fight to win. I stand ready to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission and the goals established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and violent when required, yet guided by the very principles that I serve to defend. Brave men and women have fought and died building the proud tradition and feared reputation that I bound to uphold. In the worst of conditions, the legacy of my teammates steadies my resolve and silently guides my every deed. I will not fail. The um, Oracle Delphi above the entrance the proverb says, know thyself. This is what Commander Woody was trying to get to me and what the SEAL ethos is pushing for. It's like, know yourself, have a stand. And then figure out your why. What is your why? Everything starts with why. Simon Siddick wrote that book, Starts With Why. I encourage you to read it. It's a great one. And with the SEALs and with SEAL fit or with the way of the SEAL, it starts with why. So learn what is your why. And, and, you know, trying to come up with your why requires you to think deeply about what it is that fires you up. Now, in our Unveil Mind program, I break this down into three elements, your passions, your purpose, and your principles. So you can start with your principles. What You know, what is it that define who or what you value, what you're going to be principled in, and how are you going to live those principles? How are you going to practice them every day? In the book and the exercises in this principle number one, I talk about my own principles. And I say, okay, here they are. You know, and, and they're essentially designed to make me move toward them or away from something. So I only state the ones I want to move toward. And every day, if I do certain things, I'll move toward them. So the moving toward principles I have are to be healthy and positive, to be passionate and humble, to be wise and authentic, to be truthful and trustworthy, to be playful and fun, to be learning and growing, to be bold and decisive, and to serve others. Think about yours. What are your principles? Those are going to define the guardrails, right? So that when it's dark and stormy, you've got those to hold on to. Or when someone comes up and tries to push or pull you off track, as you execute toward your vision, then these are the guardrails. So you feel and you sense when you're getting off track. You can feel when you're not being healthy or positive or passionate or humble or wise or authentic or, you know, you stop learning and growing. And all of a sudden you realize there's a big gap between who you are and where you are right now. And you can identify that gap and then close it and get back on track with your principles. And then, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. And I say, well, first start, now you know your principles. Start with what you're passionate about. What is it that you're super fired up about in life? You know, when I was going in New York, going to NYU and getting my CPA, you know, I I was struggling because I was not passionate about finance. I was not passionate about accounting. I was not passionate about earning money. I was not passionate about working in corporate America. I was not passionate about putting a suit on every day. And you know, life kind of sucked in that regard, even though everyone said I was doing great, MBA, CPA, blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, what am I passionate about? Well, obviously, I was passionate about exercise and training and learning. And, you know, I was passionate about leadership. 
And when I learned about the SEALs and special ops, I became passionate about warriorship, warrior disciplines, uh, strategy and tactics. And I was like, none of this is related to what I'm doing as a CPA. So there was a gap there. When I identified the things that I was passionate about and wasn't passionate about, I realized that I had lined up my life toward the wrong you know, list. <laughs> I lined up my life toward the list of things I wasn't passionate about. I needed to take some action. And then I began to ask questions. Okay, if, if I'm passionate about these things, what is this saying about my purpose? Maybe my purpose is somewhere hidden in, in the you know, list of things I'm passionate about or can be kind of distilled out of that. And that's when I started to consider that I was a misfit in public accounting and there was something else out there for me that I was meant to do. Now, in this process, and I describe this in the book, it was extremely important for me to spend time in what I call sacred silence. And that was when I was sitting on the Zen bench and I did that every day. You know, Nakamura taught me to do that before and after my training. Also to do an extra 20 minutes a day was his recommendation. And so I did it every morning. And every morning I sat on my little wooden Zen bench for 20 minutes. I did breathing and just sat there and paid attention. Mindfulness exercise is what you would call it today. And through that process, it took some time, right? There's no, you don't go from zero to hero with meditation. It takes nine months to a year of first just concentrating and, and being able to identify with your uh, witnessing mind to be able to watch your thoughts and all this stuff that I teach in Unbeatable Mind training and I describe in the book. Um, and all of a sudden, you begin to start to um, see things a little bit differently and you get insights. And then if you insert, and this is where meditation comes in, if you insert a question that you're going to contemplate, then you're going to get answers. And so I began to insert questions such as, what is my purpose? And then I would start to get answers. And the answers would come in the form of insight imagery or sensations or feelings. And where they led me was that my purpose was to be a warrior and a leader and to serve my country in that capacity. And this is, you know, before I knew about the SEALs, I knew about the SEALs before I was considering them. And when I started to see that, then the synchronicity started to happen. That's when I saw the video be someone special and the poster be actually the poster came first the poster at the seal recruiting office says, be someone special and awesome is about the seals i love that idea and it stuck with me i said yeah i want to be someone special i don't feel very special now and then i found the recruiting video and man what was i smitten because all of a sudden all those things that i said i was passionate about adventure and physical fitness and mental toughness and being a warrior and leader i saw them i saw them in that film and in that inspiring notion of being someone special and I realized that at that point that my set point was to be a warrior leader, Navy SEAL, and not a CPA, MBA working on Wall Street. And literally a couple months later, I was on my way to Officer Canada School and then a Navy SEAL training. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. All right, that's enough for now. Next time we'll get into principles two and three, developing front sight focus so that you can crush all your goals is principle two. And principle three is bulletproofing your mission. You're going to love these. You're not going to want to miss it. So uh, stand by. You'll hear those in another four to six episodes. All right. Thanks for your attention today. Train hard, stay focused, and do the work. Go Shavine out. Time to explode, boys!
Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frog.